This episode of Sundoku Book Club contains stronger language than normal. If you listen to this out loud at work, pause and get some headphones, because it starts right now. Sundoku Book Club, where we finally get to the podcast that have been sitting on our player for about a year. I'm Leif Nelson. And I'm Emily Miner. And this week is something a little bit different, because not only am I reading a book, I'm also listening to a podcast, which I think is a first for us. Mm-hmm. When I read Dune, I said that I had been saving up a podcast for the same reason. But this one is a little different, because I never really wanted to read the book but I wanted to listen to the podcast. So the book I am reading, as I mentioned last time, is Ready Player One by Ernest Klein. Um, you have most likely heard of this book because it was super, it was everywhere. Um, Steven Spielberg directed the movie adaptation. Um, and it's been heard about online both for um, its popularity and its... Uh, bad writing at times and that is the reason it is the star of the podcast that i've been meaning to listen to which is 372 pages we will never get back it is hosted by um mike nelson and connor listoka who are both part of the riff tracks team uh mike nelson being part of uh the Mystery Science Theater writing crew, and then um, star in the second half of its original TV run. And uh, I don't believe it had much to do with the the reboot. I think that was a completely Joel production. But he was part of that. He and um, Bill Corbett and um, Kevin Murphy, who were the voices of the robots... They uh, all have riff tracks, which is very similar to Mystery Science Theater, where they make fun of bad movies. Uh, You either have the audio or you have the movie and the audio at the same time. So you're watching the movie and they make fun of it. Um, Usually B-movies, but occasionally like more big budget ones like Harry Potter or the Transformers movies. I was going to say Transformers, yeah. yeah. The Transformers movie, uh, Revenge of the Fallen, I think is one of their better ones because (laughs) it's just... It's just garbage, and it's great for them to make fun of it. Um, But, so that is mostly what they do for their day job is make fun of bad movies. And so seeing that that two of the people, one from the original group and one of their newer hires, I say newer, he's probably been with it for like 10 years now, um, Connor Lestoka, they are having a podcast about making fun of bad books was really interesting to me because I... I mean, we've talked about books we like and don't like. I'm usually the one who has a book I don't like, (laughs) and I'm going to complain about it. But it was interesting to have that be, like, the main focus. Um, Connor Ostoka is less famous, but, fun fact, he is the person who started with his friend's National High Five Day. I don't know what you're talking about. I mean, I get the gist, but... National it's, High it's a, Yeah, it's a okay. holiday. Yeah. Oh, okay, so. cool. Sweet. <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> I mean, it's at the same level of like talk like a pirate day, but still. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah, no, but I mean, I know about that one. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. That's not trying to be like, can't really say they're on the same level. So yeah. you about one, not the other. <laughs> Let's just say you don't get the day off for it. Yeah. But, mm-hmm. or. But like do you national... get a free high five? Yes. <laughs> um. I actually found that out when he was on Jeopardy, because he got on Jeopardy, Mm -hmm. and that was his, like, fun fact. He lost for the day, but that was the thing that Alex Trebek talked to him about. So that's always interesting. Cool. Um, 
but I'm going to talk about both. I'm going to start with the book, and then I'm going to start with the pod, and then end with the podcast. Because you read the book, so that you could listen to the podcast. Yep, I read through the whole book. I was I was originally thinking that I was going to read along with the podcast because they only do a couple chapters at a time, um, usually four or five. But the book is a pretty quick read, and so I zoomed through it, and so I didn't feel bad about just going through it, and then I'm listening through with the podcast. And I say so far that works because though the podcast very much is talking, they don't assume that you've read the book. So they kind of like will repeat some of the basic plot and then really dig into the meat of what is going on. Mm -hmm. So Ready Player One, I first heard about because K-State, where I went to for my undergrad, has a book that they have all the freshmen read. And they try and like incorporate it in other classes. The book I had was The Immortal Life of Henrietta Lacks, um, which dealt with the HeLa cells that are used for practically every medicine testing, all um, sorts of things, and which the um, family never got any real compensation or knew about for many, many, many years. Um, and as far as I know, still haven't gotten any compensation, but they at least know about it. Um, so that was super interesting, very informative, nonfiction. The year before or after, I can't remember, the required reading for all incoming freshmen at K-State uh, was Ready Player One. And uh, not as good. Not as good as The Immortal Life of Henrietta Lacks. I will say, not the worst. Oh. Um, no. I did go into this very much expecting to hate it because my main knowledge of it, besides like first hearing about it, was talking about like, if you love the 80s, you'll love this book. Um, it has so many references. And I'm not a huge fan of like references as being like your main draw. Like, I'm not a huge fan of Family Guy or South Park. Um, and. I am a fan of um, Arrested Development, but the reason I like that is not because they reference previous episodes, it's because it's funny, or at least it's usually funny. Um, and actually, because of that, I want to read a few of the inner blurbs for Ready Player One, because they are nuts. Um, some of this is the exact same thing that happened in 372 pages, um, but I feel the need to do this because... I thought of it before I listened, and it's insane. So some of them are pretty basic, like a spectacularly successful debut. Um, just your basic like praise from authors or uh, other places. But one of the first ones is, uh, the science fiction writer John Scalzi has aptly referred to Ready Player One as a nerdgasm. <laughs> Which makes me want to throw up. <laughs> Um, they use the use of geeky and nostalgia and other stuff is pretty common throughout the whole thing. The worst one in my mind, besides uh, the nerdgasm comment, is if you identify yourself as a nerd, geek, gamer, 1980s history buff, a fan of science, fantasy, or dystopian fiction, otaku, 1980s movie fan, romantic, someone who grew up in the 1980s, or a human with emotions, you will enjoy Ready Player One. And I lost track of that sentence like halfway through. Like I wasn't sure about the tense that they were writing about. True. But also, <laughs> can I just say beyond like how weird that was, they listed the 1980s three separate times. Mm -hmm. Like if you grew up there, if you like the movies, and if you're a history buff. Like... Yes. Do we did we really need to list that decade three times? But you probably did to encapsulate how much the '80s is truly referenced in the book itself. Yeah. Two of the other punchier ones that I enjoyed were a gunshot of fun. What? <laughs> yeah. Ew. And uh, an adrenaline shot of uncut geekdom, like just. Shoot it straight into my veins. Give me that geekdom. That's disgusting. Oh my gosh. Sorry, I don't. I didn't. I have not read this. I don't care about it. I'm not going to be nice. Go ahead. So yeah, um, I had seen like bits of this throughout. Um, the the two big ones were like there's a section where he's literally just naming um, 
He's just referencing things, like all the things I've read. Because the main concept of the book is that it's in the future. It's like the 2040s, I think. And the man who was essentially the Steve Jobs of his time uh, helped create the Oasis, a virtual reality-like um, second life, essentially, um, where which everyone uses and uses to escape the shitty, shitty life that they are living in the real world, where tides have risen and rampant unemployment and all these sorts of things. So, like, that that's not necessarily an issue that's actually pretty standard like kind of your dystopian sci-fi stuff where they're using the virtual reality to ignore what's going on but the steve jobs figure dies like steve jobs <laughs> of cancer Jesus uh, of cancer and um leaves behind a willy wonka style like treasure hunt where if you get my easter egg you will inherit the company Basically, you will be able to control the Oasis. And um, the way he announces this is in a video, which is has got all these 80s references because the the his name is James Halliday, I think. Um, loved the 80s, grew up in the 80s, and like everything he did had some sort of like had its their own little Easter eggs. And because of that, when he makes this announcement. The Oasis is like one of the biggest businesses in the, the world right now. So when he does that and says the secret to like finding my Easter egg is basically buried in everything I love, the 80s makes like a huge comeback in that everyone is obsessing over the 80s. And honestly, that's just Ernest Klein like acknowledging that the 80s were pop- have are, been popular. Yeah through the 2010s next day, decade it's already turning there it's going to be the 90s because you've got people like my sister who weren't even alive and who are getting really into like my chemical romance and other Jeez, stuff yeah yeah um or uh nirvana and other things so oh, baby uh, yeah it'll be interesting in the 2020s when like i don't know all the boy bands are coming back so when you can yet again wear what am i even I don't know. Jenkos? <laughs> no, I'm thinking like denim on denim, Britney Spears yeah, and yeah. JT. Still, still an icon. <laughs> anyway. Um, yeah. So they make a comeback and the main character is one of those people who's like, my, the, like my life is trash. I just need to win this prize. And to do that, he just endlessly absorbs 80s culture. And it's a little strange. I love that the people who are hunting for this egg are egg hunters. And that has been shortened to gunters. So you see the word gunter a lot. Um, and that uh, it's, a, it's a hard word. It just sort of like, it punches <laughs> you. It's just like, yeah, let's go gunting. <laughs> it just sounds so Again, strange. Again, how many times am I going to say you during this episode <laughs> quite a bit um i'm pretty sure if you put gunting or gunter into like um urban dictionary you'll find something pretty gross but uh so that's a sign to anyone who's writing sci-fi or fantasy like google the words you make up because they probably already exist and are probably gross <laughs> and even if they're not come real, on yeah come on still gross <laughs> but so, like I said, that, that's the main premise, and I won't go too deep into, like, the plot and everything, because, like I said, I wasn't going into this expecting to like it, and I would say, overall, I didn't really, like, necessarily like it that much. Um, I'll go into a little bit about that, but overall, it wasn't that bad. Um, part of that is because, as we have discussed previously, I skim a lot. Yeah. So in some of those sections where he is just listing things that were in the 80s, I know I don't have to read them. So you just skip to the end of the paragraph and move on with your life. And that made it much more readable. Um, Real quick, let me just... I'm going to start reading. Wait, he just, like, talking about... Here's all the books I read. Douglas Adams, Kurt Vonnegut, Neil Stevenson, Richard K. Morgan, Stephen King, Orson Scott Card, Terry Pratchett, Terry Brooks, Bester, Bradbury, Haldeman, Heinlein, Tolkien, Vance, Gibson, Gaiman, Nate Sterling, Moorcock, Scalzi, Zelazny, however you pronounce his name, 
That was practically just in alphabetical order. <laughs> okay, but also, like, when you're just trying to meet your word count. <laughs> yes. Um, and then he starts talking about films. Cameron, Gilliam, Jackson, Fincher, Kubrick, Luke, Lucas, Spielberg, Spielberg, Del Toro, Tarantino, and, of course, Kevin Smith. Never mind that there's no women in that group. And as last week, Ursula K. Le Guin was in the 80s, so... We at least got one, folks. <laughs> no, he didn't name her. No, I mean, like, <laughs> you, you could name They existed. <laughs> yeah. um, like, it, so much of it is just, like, references that it's really annoying. But, as I mentioned, I can move past it. The parts where it really stands out are not just the constant listing of things. It's where he uses a reference to talk about something and to just sort of, like, make a shortcut. So that instead of actually, like investing us in a character or giving us a description he will just say like this thing or like this other thing um because the character has like absorbed all this stuff he's done it too and so like when um this girl doesn't the girl he's interested in likes like won't agree to go out with him and then says hey we shouldn't like see each other he he goes outside of her virtual house and like holds a boom box over his head and he does and it's not just that's not enough to like give the reference it's not just went out held a boombox over my head it's like great you're john cusack okay it goes the whole way of just saying with a boombox over my head blasting in your eyes by peter gabriel at full volume like just completely stripping it originally and that's sort of like that also works its way into the fiction of the book where Somehow he's like kind of doing like a vague, like your basic like dystopian future critiquing capitalism, like rampant unemployment and all these other things. We're just like ignoring what's really going on. But then, and, and he goes a little bit into that. And sometimes it's interesting talking about like debt and indentured servitude and other things um, or, and like dead end jobs. Um, but on the other hand, it's like he completely ignores other things like say, the existence of copyright because apparently you can just make a universe and just put wholesale like complete um video games and references to literally every not just references like just make um like all every spaceship that's ever existed in, in science fiction it will just be in the game like there's no rules around it and for the most part like yeah, the point is to just reference 80s stuff. But on the other hand, it feels very unrealistic where on one hand, you're listing all these things that are in this virtual world. And then the other one, you kind of talk about how like this thing wasn't allowed to be in. But it's always like some rule about who can die or like if you're in like a PvP zone or so, like things like that. And it doesn't quite mesh completely. Mm -hmm. Like you didn't quite think everything through. Like if he had like just even said like, He's richer than God, so he got the rights to everything. Sure, yeah. But, like, it just sort of, like, it exists. It's in the world. I have these things. But then for some reason, other things aren't allowed. Yeah. Okay. So, like I said, overall, it wasn't the worst, but it does have just, like, a... It's just... It was constantly, like, kind of poking me with, like, here's some bad writing. Here's some stuff. And I'm going to go through some of these because I was... Um, I got this from the library, but then got it on my Kindle... So um, I kind of have notes back and forth between them, but you can, I love this because he's writing this in the future, but is very much writing this from like the um, early Gen X or baby boomer perspective where I'm writing about the internet and things. So he's still using like wheat hacksaws language, even though that was a thing that existed for like two years in the 2000s. What are you talking about? Elite. Oh, elite. Speak. Like using okay. using letters yeah. or numbers instead of letters and um, like geek with two threes. Right. So like one of those is threes instead of yeah. Three so like there's like a there's a black market called the elite hacksaws wares house, which is like a mix of elite language and the I can has cheeseburger meme mm -hmm. language, which is was old when this book was published. Right. And it, which is yeah. just, it's just very strange. He also um, feels the need to explain every single time when someone uses a letter, a letter or number 
instead of a letter. So one of the, the character that he's in love with is named Artemis, but there's a three instead of an E. And in parentheses right past it says, pronounced Artemis. It does not give a pronunciation guide for his best friend, H, which is spelled A-E-C-H. And you only find out that it's pronounced H, like the letter, is like a couple pages later when he's explaining that I assumed, based on how he pronounced it, that his name started with H, so I just pretended to know what it was. And it's like, I've been pronouncing this like ache this whole time, mm-hmm. but you didn't think I would know how to, you thought I would be saying Arthromus or something. Or like the people who say Kadalar sign Ha instead of Kesha, which I will admit I used to do. I was a terrible person. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't know each other that. <laughs> yeah. Um,. But yeah, like, my notes for this as I'm reading through, like, when it said, named Artemis, pronounced Artemis, it's just like, how stupid do you think I am? Right, and like, who do you think your audience is? Like... And I don't know, maybe the the only person who has really suggested this book to me is my old boss at K-State, who I love, one of the best bosses I've ever had, but I did, I've never trusted him. When it comes to reviews of stuff. Because he gave Man of Steel a 9 out of 10. Um, It's not that good of a movie. (laughs) And giving it a 9 is just beyond the pale. Um, And he also really suggested reading this book. Because he had read it. Because he worked at the university. And it was there were cheap copies lying around. And he read it and loved it. Um, And I did not. And then the other thing is just constant references. And I have notes about that. But like whatever you plenty of people have complained about yeah. how many references this guy makes the other thing is the racism oh and that is specifically um two of the like minor characters are japanese and it's like he is basing this all off of just having watched japanese television and any stereotype you can think about them where everyone can like appear how they want so the, the all the American characters are like sort of just an amalgamation of like different references, while the Japanese characters are just wearing samurai armor and have swords. And that's it. That's all. Um, they can wear anything they want and that's what. Yeah. The, the okay. So that's what they're wearing. And they say things like the Sixers have no honor and they're constantly referencing honor. Like, and it's, and it, it's, uh, I know that they like it sort of makes sense if I'm I'm sure pe- these sort of people exist Japanese people obsessed with samurai and concerned with honor but like when I read that I can hear a racist Asian accent in my mind like <laughs> um and when these are the only Japanese characters mm-hmm. and that's what you're choosing how that's how you're choosing to represent them it doesn't exactly show that you understand that just like Americans, Japanese people are interested in lots of different things. Yes. (laughs) And like, yeah, overall, like my notes throughout this kind of go back and forth. Like when I saw the wheat hacksaws warehouse, where's house, I just write Jesus Christ. Like, it's just ridiculous. But then when it's, either racist or like it's a the the peter gabriel above your head reference like the only note i would have for that is just fuck off like what why why are you doing this to me (laughs) because when he actually focuses on the plot and actually focuses on figuring out the puzzles that are going on it's halfway interesting the very first puzzle is a Dungeons and Dragons based thing um, where the guy who died, who this whole hunt is going on about, uh, enjoyed Dungeons and Dragons. And the main character figures out that, oh, this riddle he left behind is talking about the Tomb of Horrors, a module, like a pretty classic module. Um, and one, I figured that out before he did, which means literally everyone should have known this line about a tomb filled with horrors is about the tomb of horrors module um and it kind of like references like oh people thought about that but they couldn't find it so they forgot about it but it's just like it's very obvious that 
what's going on. But once you got past that, like the, ooh, I'm so smart for figuring this out, I was actually somewhat interested in seeing, like, okay, he has taken this module, which has its own rooms and tricks and traps and monsters, and it's showing it in a video game where how, how do you make that interesting while knowing everything that's going to happen? And the main answer is he kind of doesn't, but he talks about how this probably isn't the way you're supposed to do these things, like just memorizing everything. Um, and so it was interesting where the where the author changed some things in the module because the Tomb of Horrors is specifically famous for like you it's a it's a meat grinder you send your character in and you try and get as far as you can but you're probably gonna die Mm -hmm. um and that's the point like it's just seeing how far you can get into it and if you beat it great um but that's also like part of the problem with the book is that the answer to everything is well i memorized it so i know the answer and there's like in between parts where there's like drama going on because he's interested in the girl and she seems like she's interested in him but there's something going on and also there are people there are bad guys who are hunting for this and are willing to kill you to to get to it but the answer is always like so like he has to play a perfect pac-man game he has to he has to beat three video games throughout the whole thing no four even four classic video games like arcade games and almost every time it's like you have to get a perfect game not like a high score, not like a certain score. It's always perfect. You have to do it perfectly. And he ha- he is always able to do it within like a couple hours. Like a perfect Pac-Man game apparently is going through 256 levels or something. Yeah. Without dying? Without dying once, except at the end where if you die at the last level, it will reset the points. So the amount of points you lost is less than the points you'll earn back by getting them all back. And he does that in like 12 hours or something. It's just a thing. Oh, I just know. I'm really good at video games, so I, I'm able to do that. I'm sorry. We've talked about this before, that I will just give looks. <laughs> and this is a audio format, but yeah. I just gave him a withering stare. <laughs> really gave the book a withering stare. So, yeah. I don't know. I think... Correct me if I'm wrong, but I think that... Probably the most tiresome thing about this book is how clever it makes the main character seem mm-hmm. when he's really not. He's just somebody who's kind of obsessive and has memorized lots of stuff. Yeah, there's a scene at the beginning where he's with a bunch of gunters in a chat room. Mm-hmm. And there's a gunter he's friends with and there's a gunter he doesn't like. He's always trying to show him up, but he's not as smart. And he'll always act like, oh, I just discovered a thing. And it's like, hey, have you heard of Wikipedia? <laughs> Is that literally a line? <laughs> yeah, basically. Okay. Jesus <laughs> um, Christ. But they basically have like a reference off. There's a scene where they just like are making reference, and they're not just referencing references. It's like they're they're um, they're basically seeing who knows the most trivia about a certain thing. I don't even know what I can't remember what it is. It's either a video game or a TV show from back then. But when it ends, when he's clearly outclassed him, the crowd burst into applause. I rock the character lowered his head in shame and that just reminded me of like if you ever see internet stories like that are very clearly fake and then and then i put them in their place for like not tipping and everyone in the restaurant clapped and it turned out that the person across the aisle was albert einstein like just obviously fake things what (laughs) that that's mixing stuff usually like a story like the the main story about albert einstein that's obviously made up is that there's a story about albert einstein like proving that god exists or something but not when he was famous when he was in college and there was a evil atheist liberal professor or whatever yeah and that student was albert einstein that sort of thing and and he there are a lot of moments with this where the character starts out you're pretty standard underdog character where he's poor and like he can't even level up because the Oasis is basically a free-to-play game where it's free-to-play, but if you want to get in where you have to pay money. And that's actually really interesting where he can't be a, he can't go to all the different worlds that these people are searching around because he doesn't have the money for it. It's only that he happens to be on the planet where this happens 
that he's able to do all the things afterward. Because if he hadn't found it and someone else had, he would just be stuck on that planet and watching as other people are doing it. So he walks out and he gets rich, or at least rich enough to like buy things. And later on in the story, it keeps talking about all these cool things he has. Like, oh, I've got like this infinity blaster that like reloads bullets automatically so it's like the matrix and i don't have to do anything or i got this pill that turns me into a giant man and all these other like super cool things i've got the best spaceship all the best things and it's like you literally have those things because of money that you didn't have you're not you didn't get them because you're cool you got them because you now have a lot of money and can just buy the thing and it's it's a weird thing where it's trying to the book treats it as if, oh, he earned all of this, but he didn't. He earned one thing by a a fluke. It even shows that he discovered where the secret was, and the girl he's interested in actually discovered it three weeks earlier. The first person to discover it, but she couldn't beat it because she wasn't as good at video games as he is. I hate everything about this. <laughs> and, like... There's only so far that you can go with a flawed but perfect character that is the best at video games, but is also very cool because he earned all these things, but really he didn't because he just bought them. It's just very strange. I feel weird saying, like, constantly complaining about it because, as I mentioned, it was mostly fine. Like, the most interesting section was actually a portion where he is walked out his stuff is confiscated he can't go into the virtual world and he kind of has to use some smarts and there's still like some issues with it but it's like a solid two or three chapters where he has to like actually do stuff and that was the most interesting by far so that's all to say it is a flawed book it has a lot of problems my one of my last notes is I need to find something new to say. It was some reference. Oh, it was another, like, Japanese people being obsessed with honor thing. And the highlight that I have for this is just, I need to find something new to say because Jesus Christ and fuck off are getting a little stale at the moment. (laughs) Like, Mm. there are just so many points where I'm just, like, it, like, grates and it's annoying. And I just muscle through and get to, like, livable stuff. So... When I finally started listening to this podcast, 372 pages will never get back. I wasn't quite sure how I was going to feel about it because when I finished it, I was like, you know, it wasn't great, but like, it wasn't that bad. Um, and the Rift Tracks people can be sometimes a little like, they will just like dig into like anything that they can make fun of. Mm-hmm. Um, some job. Yeah. And so, and sometimes it's fun and sometimes it feels like, yeah, like, I don't know. I don't care about that sort of thing, but they're mostly, they're usually humorous about it. So it's, you know, they're joking anyway. So even if like you watch their Lord of the Rings riff tracks, you know, that half of like, they were making Lord of the Rings references in mystery science theater before the movies were made. Like, uh, they really enjoyed the books. They really enjoyed the movies, but they're still willing to like make fun of it. So this podcast is not a like it's not a comedy podcast in that they're like telling jokes. They are just talking about the book and like evaluating it. Um, still telling jokes and other things, but it's a little strange and it's really slow going because the first episode they just introduce the concept and then just talk for an hour about like their preferences. And then the next two episodes both start with about 10 to 15 minutes of them just talking about, here are the things we like, and here are the books that we could be reading, and all these other things, and I just really don't care about that. I really care about them just jumping into it. It'd be like if our first episode had been an hour of us talking about the word Sundoku and books. Mm -hmm. Here's a list of all the books we haven't read. Sure, yeah. Like, it's just, it's not the point of the, it's not why I'm listening and but i have gotten to listen i'm really only like three episodes in but i already know that like okay i'm gonna stick with this podcast because i listen to a lot of podcasts like i have like nine that are up to date in your rotation yeah i have a rotation i have a a rotation of used to be six podcasts and now it's like 10 or more i don't know where uh, like i i switch back and forth between like 
comedy or narrative and nonfiction stuff. And then once I get through all of them, I go back around and I listen through. And sometimes there are new episodes that I slot in. Like um, Welcome to Night Vale is I'm all caught up. So whenever a new episode comes out, I just slot it in. And I'll get through like, I don't know, 20 podcasts. Like some of them repeats, but like 20 podcasts in a week or something like that. Picking up a new podcast is kind of a big deal for me because it's I've either picked up or I've either caught up completely on one of the ones I already listened to or I've dropped one that I'm no longer interested in, which takes a lot longer when you have 10 plus podcasts to listen to. Um, but I already know I'm going to stick with this one because it is they do a good job of picking over the things that I skim over, like really nailing down that listing off 20 authors 20 directors and 20 movies and 20 tv shows and 20 video games in a single paragraph is bad writing like it's just not good and they will really like they will read the whole passage they will just like and they'll just finish it and they'll just ask why did he write this and the answer is always because He's not a good writer. Yeah, because it was easy. Yeah, because... Easier than coming up with your own content. They, they, he'll constantly... Like, Mike is... Um, he's older. He's He talks a little slower. He's very dry. Um, he also does not like a lot of, like, mainstream things. It's interesting hearing his perspective because whenever something happens and it's just, like, one of those things where I would write just, like, oh, fuck off. Like, why are you including this? He'll just say that, like... His room that he writes in just has all these books, all these things, and he'll look up and point at one and say, that's the one I'll reference, and then go back to writing. And he could literally, like, <laughs> cover his eyes, throw a dart, yes. and it could work. Yeah, because you've listened to some of this with me, so mm-hmm. you know what that's like. And that seems to be the case, because when this was the book that K-State was reading... He came to visit, and he came to visit with his um, personal DeLorean from the Back to the Future movies that he has personally, like, um, what's the word? Not renovated, but um, maintained when you have, like, a model from something or a prop. Like, he has personally, like, kept this together. I'm pretty sure it is actually from the movie. It's one of the three they used in the movies. All the props and everything are in it. It is a fully functioning car that you can drive around. It has the flux capacitor in the back. The guy who made the Oasis and really loves movies, all the 80s stuff, also has a DeLorean. Also from the movie. Also from the movies. Also really loves it. And it's just like, okay, this is your character and you love the 80s and you are going to make sure everyone else loves the 80s too and i think part of this is like it's very like i'm fa- i'm a fan of things but i personally feel like i've moved past a certain point where i feel personally attacked if people don't like something or not even personally attacked if they don't like it but just like if there were no new um star wars movies made or no new Dungeons and Dragons stuff put out. I would be, I'd be fine. I will survive. And it's not even a case of like, well, I don't even like the new Star Wars movies. I like them fine, um, but that's just not something I care about. I, I like it's the things I like to do are all like activities. I like reading science fiction. I like doing these other things. I don't like love star wars and want to like bombard the house with star wars things i feel weird about having the one (laughs) star wars painting i do have which i like Mm -hmm. but it feels like i don't know weird to me so maybe part of that is just like that's just not how i feel about a lot of things and so it's hard to get in that mindset where referencing things and seeing things i like makes me want to like oh yeah i like that thing too so right it's i don't a little, know yeah well and like i mean i don't know if you did you explicitly make the connection that like the guy clearly like wrote himself into the book no like not this. till the podcast 
he's very much making it so that all of his interests are the interests of the characters and are the good cool things to be interested in and if you haven't if you don't have an encyclopedic knowledge of the family ties uh sitcom then just kill yourself (laughs) because that's what one of the arguments is about at one point good stuff did not talk about the podcast much because i feel like there's not much to say that like i enjoy it like they they do a good job of like we like we always when we do this are talking about a whole book or even multiple books and i think they do a good job of really pinning down why the writing is bad and not just saying references are weak writing mm-hmm. but more so this person mentions like you mentioned with that blurb where they mention 80s history every 80s tv and 80s film three separate times um, as if they're different things and not just saying the 80s. Right, like on a sentence level. Yeah. In the book, they'll mention like, okay, remember how we said that this um, like, uh, this guy liked the 80s? Well, here, two paragraphs down, he's going to say, and here's how much he loved 80s video games. And then two paragraphs later, and here's how much he loved 80s video games. So much he would fire people. Two paragraphs later, here's how much he loved 80s video games. He bought all these old arcade games. Two paragraphs later, um, I he made sure that there were entire worlds based on 80s video games. And it's just like, oh my gosh. I skim a lot. <laughs> That's why I finished this book in like a day. Because there's not a lot yeah. of substance. There is substance. There is interesting stuff in there. And I think there's even an interesting thing about how... In the book, it acknowledges that the only reason the 80s are popular at this time is because a super rich guy promised a lot of money to people who would get into the 80s. But he only mentions that once. And then after that, it's all 80s, all the time. They're great. They're the best thing ever. One of the puzzles is him repeating word for word the War Games movie with... um, Oh, who's the guy? Ferris Bueller. What's that yeah. actor's name? I don't remember, but would you like to play a game? Yes. Yeah. And that's and then after he does that, it makes a point of saying like, "Wow!" After people found that out, that became a really popular form of entertainment. Being in a movie and repeating lines word for word, and I'm like, that sounds like the most boring thing ever. Like, can you imagine like? Watching Harry Potter, but all you did was be Harry Potter and say his lines when he said them. Like, I would would assume that if you are interested in, like, the Harry Potter universe or anything, you want to interact with them. Like, oh my gosh, wouldn't it be fun to, like, go to Middle Earth and, like, meet Gimli and meet Legolas and all these other things. Not live someone else's life and like not being able to deviate from that in any way like making making it basically says that oh these video games are just you being able to like testing your knowledge on referencing things and that's i mean that's what trivia games are for like i was literally gonna say that like we already have trivia games yes quizzes online how well what do are you those know? what are those dvd games the seen it, seen it. yeah yes. that sort of thing like that already exists and it's not that great right like te- like in the end like just rote knowledge is boring right like being it's like knowing someone who knows a lot of digits of pi it's an interesting fact about them I do not want to hear that. But it's not a personality. Yes. Exactly. Like, this sounds like stuff that I would do when I was still in middle school. Like, because like Mm -hmm. a lot of people, I was obsessed with Harry Potter. And I would take the, like, official quiz where it would literally Mm -hmm. go until you missed three questions. Like, there were hundreds of questions. And they got very hard. And I would be like... Yeah, I'm so I'm so knowledgeable about Harry Potter. I got to like question 300, yeah. you know? Like that's not I learned eventually. Mm-hmm. That's not personality, yeah. you know? Like that's not something you can brag about mm-hmm. and then live off of that. Yeah. And I and yeah, and I can't pretend that like I'm beyond this either because you and I, I specifically remember 
the last time i think the last time i watched the lord of the rings trilogy was at your place um and we were with a couple other friends and everyone in that room including me including you would pipe in not with the lines but with trivia yeah, about the behind you know? the scenes and we all know everyone knew everyone knows that uh what's his name Vigo Mortensen broke his toe when he kicked that helmet. And everyone, that's why he screamed so loud. Yeah, everyone yeah. knows that. Did you know that the, the flag fell off and they just followed the camera and it was so perfect and that was an accident? Everybody knows. Everybody knows. Not everyone knows, but all the quote-unquote real fans know. We've all watched the behind the scenes and it just ruins the movie experience because I kind of just want to watch it. And I was doing it too, so I was ruining it too, and I've... I've gotten better, I would hope. But again, the difference is that none of us sat down and wrote a book about how much we loved Lord of the Rings. Yeah. And you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. Can I... I wrote a note. Yeah, go for it. So, first of all, instead of reading this book, uh-huh. you could just watch Spy Kids 3. <laughs> <laughs> Which is a masterpiece. A very, very bad masterpiece. And also deals with virtual reality yeah. games. Um, or if you're enjoying us ripping on it, or this podcast ripping on it, you could watch Orange is the New Black for other reasons too, but also because one of the correctional officers who's a piece of shit through the entire series gets a DeLorean because he's so obsessed with the 80s and Back to the Future and he pulls up in it and the show clearly does not think he's very cool. So, yeah. sorry, I just couldn't help. I I thought of that immediately. No, like... Yeah. Do we... I mean, to wrap it up, yeah. references don't equal a personality. Yeah, and I don't know. I, I Again, I don't want to rag too hard on it because I do think... I think there are merits to the book that I just can't remember at the moment. Because when I ended, I don't... This is like I was talking about Man of Steel earlier. When I watched Man of Steel um, with my friend Tim, who's been on the podcast, when we watched it, he hated it, and I gave it a 5 out of 10. I felt completely neutral, didn't love it, didn't hate it. Since then, I've had several conversations about, like, what actually happened in that movie like superman killing someone or it's been too long since i've watched so i can't accurately rant about it but every time i talked to him about it every time i would get more mad about how bad that movie was and just i now hate that movie and i kind of feel like ready player one is going in that direction I would like to watch the movie because I do think Steven Spielberg is a mostly good director. I know, like, lots of directors have duds, like, even the really good ones. And I think Steven Spielberg generally knows how to make a competent film, even if I don't always like it. Like, the newest Indiana Jones movie, The Crystal Skull, is a bad movie. But for the most part, like, you know what's going on. Um, and I'd be interested because I know that there were some changes made and that like, even some of the references were like cut down, to, like, or refocused to like make a better visual experience. Cause watching a dude play Pac-Man for 256 levels is boring. Um, watching it would probably be more boring, more interesting than reading about a guy like he, there were like two straight pages of him playing Pac-Man and it describes how like he messes up and then has to start over and <sighs> I changed my mind. It's a bad book. It's a real bad book. <laughs> I mean, you did talk about a couple of things that could have possibly redeemed it, but I yeah. think that they didn't because the rest of it was just so yeah lazy. Yeah, but those are some of the sort of things that like you can't you can't judge a book on the implications of it. You can't like like when um what am I trying to say? It's like when someone is talking about like, "Oh my gosh, like I eat too much like dairy or other things, but like 
at least I acknowledge it. And it's like, just because you acknowledge like a shortcoming that you have, you still have that shortcoming. Right. And it's still something that like, I don't know why I picked a dairy. I don't know anyone that like, oh man, I'm a real dairy fiend. <laughs> but what the heck is happening? I picked a bad. Oh no, I that's so good. Simile, but... So good. Did you know that humans are the only mammal who continues to drink milk after they need Emily, it? you are a better person than I because you knew that one trivia fact. Congratulations. Oh, I knew that. I think I knew that actually, but. <laughs> But I didn't say it first, so I might as well have not done Oh my it. goodness. Like, I don't know. I know we have to wrap this up. <laughs> I look forward to listening to the podcast because I think that will be a fun reminder because of the stuff I missed. Because there was bad stuff I noticed and bad stuff that they are noticing that I didn't. And it's fun. I will... I think I'll even... So they finish... Um, Ready Player One, and then they do Armada next, which is another Ernest Klein book, and is more is less well received critically than Ready Player One was. Um, and then they've done several other books. They've also done Tech War, which I want to read. I've wanted to read that for years. It is the science fiction uh, series written by William Shatner, the man oh, who plays yes. Captain Kirk, uh, and I think Tech is a drug. T E K tech war i i i saw it once in a library and i've been meaning to read it for years so it's that will probably be another podcast i won't be doing armada just because i haven't been meaning to read it i'll probably read the books before i listen to them because it's interesting it's fun i i do think it's i do enjoy sometimes reading bad books not just like i'm not always just frustrated by them I think that is everything I have to say. I feel exhausted talking about this. I, I feel physically worn out. Part of that is that we haven't had the air on because it makes the audio bad. But I just feel out of breath. And I think it's time to wrap up. Time to go lay down. So next time we have... Celeste. A video game. Yes. So I've been talking about video games. I feel like surprising. I'm just kind of surprised. That yeah. I'm talking about video games on this podcast more than you have. Um, but yes, next time I'll be talking about Celeste, the video game. Perfect. Yeah. All right. Thanks for listening. This is my longest episode. We are going to hit the hour mark now. Oh, I will cut it down. We'll see how far I cut it. But okay. this is my longest episode. I We'll see what it's like when I finally hit an hour-long episode. It should be interesting. But thank you so much to Velt Punch for the use of their song Fighting Pose from the album His Strange Fighting Pose. This is the first time I've been able to use the full intro. But all right. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye. Bye.